0: Welcome to Sparks of History. We are extremely honored and pleased to have with us today Rabbi David Orlovsky. Rabbi Orlovsky is an acclaimed and highly popular speaker, educator, and writer. A graduate of Yeshiva Tappetstayim and the Fezburg Yeshiva in Jerusalem, Rabbi Orlovsky is a former regional director for the National Council of Synagogue Youth, NCSY. Rabbi Orlovsky, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it very much.
1: My pleasure.
0: Um prayer, tefillah especially in today's times what should we be praying for and how should we pray today and how is our prayer different from that which it was before Torah, October 7th of this year
1: oh boy so there's, there's the absolute and there's the relative absolutely what we were diving for beforehand is what we should be diving for now but we probably weren't. <laughs> I mean, if we it, ultimately, what are we, what are we davening for? We're davening as Shlomo, as Moshe, uh, as says, <laughs> well, what we're ultimately davening for is to be close to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. But unless we have tzrichim, uh, unless we have needs. Unless we have a situation, people don't daven. It. It's just the reality. You know, I, uh, I, I've i said that it's sort of a sad thing that if you see somebody suddenly show up in shul and they're davening with a like, lot of kavana, you know, and, and they're putting their heart into it, and you say, what's going on? The answer is never. You know, I was just looking at my life and I thought, wow, everything is great. You know, my marriage is great. My kids are great. Parnosa is great. Everything's going great. I decided now I should put extra time into my ruchnistikah life. Never. Someone's sick. Someone's dead. Someone's dying. I lost my money. My kids are off the derech. My marriage is falling apart. And then suddenly people feel like I have to daven. But, but that's only because I suddenly find myself in a situation where I have to now turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But ideally... I mean, I, I, uh, uh, I, I w- w- when we come into Eretzfel, right away, Moshe Barrow tells us we're going to go to these two mountains, Har and Har Abel. And one is going to be the mountain of Bracha, and one is going to be the mountain of Klola. Why? Because when you come into Eretzfel, you got a choice. There's Bracha and there's Klola, and you choose. Yeah? So, likewise, Vahayoim shemoa. If you keep the then you'll get all of these brachas, and if you don't, you'll get all these kolis. It's 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 what's going to work for you. So there are certain people who uh, brachas work for them. It's a wonderful thing, you know. They have bracha in their life, and it motivates them, it makes them happy, and it makes them want to work more in their Eved And there are other people who, you know, that uh, we have everything, and so who needs God? So God puts us in a position where we have to remember that God is there. I always say it would be a lot better if we would turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because everything's going great. We're so happy. And we can give Shevach Vahadoya to HaKadosh Baruch for all the great things in our lives. But instead, we know the reality of people are that when things go bad, um, uh, they suddenly wake up. I, I I haven't seen any statistics, but anecdotally, you know, since Simchas there has been a lot of people in Eretz who did not feel a connection to Yiddishkeit who do now. Why? Because unfortunately, tragedy brings us together. When when bad things happen, suddenly we remember we need a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And I mean, that was at the end of O'Yin Is God really with us or not? And suddenly a Moloch attacks, and we start screaming, Hashem, Hashem, come and save us. Because when you're in trouble, you know that a Kodesh Baruch Hu, I need a Kodesh Baruch Hu in my life. Yeah, it's not it's not an option anymore. I know I'm in a desperate state. And that's what Purim is, where, uh, as the Gemara Megillah describes, after the korban the Jews ask, Do we have to keep the Torah anymore? For man divorces his wife, so he have, she doesn't have any obligations to him anymore. God destroyed our home and sent us away. So we're on our own. So, uh, okay, that's an interesting argument until Haman comes up and wants to kill all of you, and suddenly you have a changed perspective. So the answer is that ideally, if we would let good things motivate us, happy things, good things, brachas, then you have, Hashem gives you the brachas and the clothes. You choose. Choose life, but if not, then tragedies come along to remind us that we need Hakadosh Baruch in our life, and that's why since Simchas Torah, uh, people have been. You know, I'll never forget nine eleven. Uh, it was either Time or Newsweek did a uh, interview. They interviewed like anyone they considered to be a leader. You know. Uh, national organizations and things, people who they thought were leadership roles. They asked them what they thought. One of them was the Novomenska Rebbe Zatzal, who was the head of the EGUD at the time. I remember his quote. His quote was, the world will never be the same. Less than two months later, I was speaking in a girls' high school somewhere in America. I said, what should I talk about? They said, anything besides 9-11. Everyone's tired of hearing it. So I said the world was a completely different place for less than two months. And then it went back to the way it was. And that's what happens. People people forget. And uh, unfortunately, when you have something of such a tragedy, you know, uh, proof of the pudding is the Holocaust. Right? After, after everything we went through, the tremendous destruction, still people are like, they can shrug it off. You know, you know to uh to uh. Quote uh, the Congresswoman, you know what I mean? Something was done by some people. <laughs> some people did something. <laughs> and then we move on, you know? So uh, the, the wake up call that we experienced was such that we need to remember that we need Akurish Baruch Hu in our life. And that is ultimately the purpose of Tefillah. Tefillah is to bring me close to Akurish Baruch, Hu. it's that opportunity. So uh, that's, that should be our focus. Our focus should be on Kurdish Baruch, Hu. we need you. Now, we always need you, but it's in when the Moloch attacks, that's the time that we wake up and we say, oh my gosh, if we don't have a Kurdish Baruch, we're going to die. Why
0: Tehillim? Why has Tehillim been the vehicle for thousands of years? What's the spiritual power of Tehillim? Beyond any other tehillim, what's in tehillim that makes it so powerful? There's so many tehillim groups now. I, I know, for example, my wife she can't even keep track of all the tehillim groups that she belongs to. And you know, it's, there's papers all over the house with numbers of tehillim. You know, we we get it, we understand that tehillim obviously covers everything, but why? What, what's in tehillim?
1: So. Uh... The idea of a melech is a tricky proposition when you have a king. Because a king uh, has, has, I'm not going to say absolute power, because obviously we have a constitutional monarchy because the Sanhedrin controls him and the Torah controls him. But uh, but a king has a lot of power. And that's what Shmuel tried to tell the people when they were asking for a king. But, what's, but the Torah gives you the option for a king. What's the idea of a melech? So uh, Remusha Shapiro, who I had the schus to have a Kesha with, I would not be uh so brazen as to call myself a Talmud. I know people who would tell me the Ramosha. I was not, but <laughs> so I was so each to have a Kesha with him. Yeah. Um, he uh he uh, had access to information that average people don't have. So as a story, my friend Menachem Nissel was driving him in England. He was there for a chassan. and he says he wants to go to Buckingham Palace. So um, so he says, Oh, you want to see the changing of the guard? He says, No, I just want to go to Buckingham Palace. It's okay. So he takes him to Buckingham Palace, and the Moshe is standing by the gate with his head turned to one side, as if listening, and for a while. And he look gets and he stands up and he looks at, at Menachem and he says, Ain't malchus malchuspo there's not a lot of kingship here. So when I heard the story, I said, I could have told you that. Don't you read the newspapers? You know what I mean? <laughs> you look at Harry and Meghan. You look at the, you know Charles complaining about his dad. I'm like, you know, of course not malchus. So he says, no, the idea of a melech is for us to understand the malchus of a Kodesh baruchu. It's a vehicle to bring it down. And that's the job of a melech, is a melech is for us to be able to understand the malchus of a Kurdish powerful. There was an interesting uh, book. I also, I, I, I know really this is a history podcast, but one of the former presidents of Harvard who got the job uh, for credentials in that uh, DEI, um, uh, so uh, uh, wrote a book on Andrew Jackson. And I, I, you know, I I go. I used to go when they used to use bookstores. I can't find any anymore. But I'd uh, buy the books at History. So it's called Andrew Jackson, a symbol of an era. And he posits that there are certain people who are bigger than who they are and what they do. They capture a uh, essence of a uh, era. So Jacksonian democracy or Jeffersonian democracy or Elizabethan England, Victorian England. The person is bigger than them. They define an era. That's what a melech is supposed to be in Yahadus, that they capture the essence of what a person is all about. Uh, this is a deep cut for you. I don't know if you ever heard of a novel called Watership Down. It's fascinating, but one of the best written books ever. It's about rabbits. If you can get over that, it's okay. <laughs> but... Uh, but at one point, this guy who basically saves a remnant of this, uh, of this warren that's going to be destroyed and they go off someplace, he suddenly realizes that there are no does and we're all going to die out. And he writes, everybody was probably aware of it, but it's the job of the chief rabbit to, to understand every, what, what everybody's feeling. And I thought that was a brilliant way of expressing it. The Melech is there to be, the, as the Rabbam says, the Lev Koha. Who is the Melech? Who is Mauchus in Klai Yisrael? Davar Melech. Davar Melech writes to Hillel. Because as Davar Melech says, I am Tfilah. And therefore, everything that happened in his life was a Tfilah. So this, this one's chasing him, trying to kill him. It's a kapitel tehillim. You know, he recovers from an illness, a kapitel tehillim. Everything that happens in his life turns into a tefillah v'anit, tefillah s'ti. And in fact, that's why in Shemona Esrei, the juxtaposition of the brachas is et temach david avdecha, and once you have david, sh'ma Kolinda, Then we have tefillah. David HaMelech was the one who could encapsulate what Tefillah was all about, and Tehillim is an outpouring. And those of us who say Tehillim, right? Some people join Tehillim groups, and then it's sort of like Daf Yomi, which is like a forced march. <laughs> you know I mean? but if you ever just lose yourself in Tehillim, you know, you go to the kaisel, you take yourself to Tehillim, and uh, you know, it's quiet, and you just say Tehillim. Even if you don't know the words mean, yeah, the words have a certain power to move you. Because the tefillah is inside of it. So when we say uh, to Hillim, we're taking. David Amalek had a very hard life. Shlomo Amalek had a great life, you know, but Shlomo Amalek had a very, had a very hard life. His father thought he was a mamza. You know, and that's why he was sent away with the with the sheep and he wasn't allowed to stay with everyone else. So Avi comes to anoint the king and he, he looks at all the kids. He says, Anybody else? Nope, nobody else. You sure nobody else? No, nobody else. Oh yeah, this David. He said, Bring him. Up, oh, he's the Melch, you know. They thought he was they thought he was uh, they thought he was a Mamza. And then they decided that uh, he's a Mo'avi and he's not Roy really Love. And then uh, his father was trying to kill him, and then uh, you know. Uh, his uh, his kids rebel against him, and uh, you know he's he has a very hard life. And in between, he's fasting. He's 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 living a, a very Spartan existence, where he's just there for Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's it. just to be with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. He's trying. I remember hearing from Rabbi Chait, who's the Rosh of film Chaim Yitzhel. You know, the Gemara says that David and Melech would make a heshmin in the morning where he was supposed to go as a king. You have a very full uh, schedule, and his feet would just take him to the base Medush. That's what that that's the way he was drawn to. He was drawn to Torah. drawn to tefillah, even though as a king he had uh, he had important meetings to do and 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 economic meetings and uh, military meetings and things. But that's all he wanted to do, Shivti beves Hashem koymi just to be with the Kodesh Baruch So all of the essence of the life of David and Melech were captured in Tehillim. In fact, there's, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a interesting twist, and that is the uh, the of the ten levels of Dibor that were came down to the world of speech, women got nine of them. Women have nine of the ten levels of speech. And, uh, you know, that means that they have communication skills. But it also means when it comes to tefillah, they understand tefillah more. And that's why the halachas of Shemona Eswe, we learn now from Hannah, because women have more of a feel for this. And David was, to quote the former governor of California, a girly man, in a sense. What does that mean? If you look at the at, at the spheris, I'm getting a little spherus savvy here, but the ramban talks about it, so it's not too uh, not too of the to thing. Yeah, um, so you know the first six spherus all represent parts of the human body. And malchus represents isha, and that's why Shabbos is not called Shabbos Hamelach; it's Shabbos Malkasa, the Shabbos Queen. Malchus is, and that's why. The Mug and David, the six points represent the six uh, spheres, and the little hexagon in the middle is Malchus. It takes from all the other ones and brings it together. So David, a Melech who is Melech Malchus, has a certain degree of femininity to it. He was the one who was able to compose the state for Hatfila. We didn't have a sitter. We never had a sitter. A sitter. It started with the Anshe Keneset when they um, they canonized the Shemona Esrei, the Birchas certain other brachas. Until then, it was freestyle, and the only safer of Tefillah that we had was Tehillim. When a Jew wanted to express his his you know desire to get close to Hashem Baruch Hu through words, Tehillim was the go-to, and that's where it came from.
0: There's obviously Tremendous amount of talk today um, about achdut, and 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 we're seeing perhaps an unprecedented level of achdut on on, on, on in certain areas, uh, whether it's here in Israel, in Eretz Yisrael, or or in Chutzlar, it's praying for achdut. What does that mean? Well, what does it mean to pray for achdut? What are we praying for when we pray for achdut?
1: I put into the hearts of everyone. We can do that, right? When, when, when we daven for Klay Yisrael to do tshuva, so we're we're Davening for everybody, that Hashem should, you know, awaken inside of our hearts. You know, the Hare Nainu right? You you want to get people to have that desire. Hashiveinu Hashem bring us back. So the idea is that although everybody has free will, I remember when I was teaching in our Sameach, So at one point I was in my I was in my and I just went around the room. I said, "How did you guys get here?" And they all came from very secular backgrounds. I met someone in school. I met someone on the bus. I went some somebody invited me for a Shabbos meal. And I said, it's amazing. Everyone here got a knock on the door. And based on that, you decided to come and learn in Israel. And someone said, what about the people who don't get a knock on the door? And I said, everyone gets a knock on the door. Some people choose not to answer it. And in fact, I have met people who said, you know, I don't know. I've had like a dozen people come over and invite me for a Shabbos meal. Don't they get it? I don't want to go. <laughs> so, someone keeps knocking at the door, but they don't want to listen. So, we say that when when it comes, it should be receptive. I remember there were some guys in Yeshiva Chavetz Chaim who were going out to collect, and they asked the Rosh Yeshiva of Hanach for a bracha that they should be matzliach. And he says, I can't give you a bracha that you'll be matzliach because people have v'chira. They have free choice. They can choose to give you a not." But I give you a bracha that you should have chain so that people will like you. <laughs> and as uh, as Itchy Lowen Brown Zatzal said to me, who was uh, he? He was the founder of Ajop, and uh, he ran and he's in uh, in Baltimore for many years. You know, he says, "Let's face it: you give money to people that you like. That's that's the ultimate. The cause, obviously, it should be a good cause, but there are a lot of good causes." But Somebody who comes and you like the person, you give the person. We want people to be able to be receptive. I can't, I can't, a, a real uh, person who doesn't want it won't have it. I heard a story. This, this is the story I heard. And the person says uh, he knows the person involved, so I believe it. Um, I always say, I'm not Pesachrone. I don't check out my stories. I hear something, I say it over. It's good enough for me. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> so I won't I won't say something that I know not to be true unless I tell you beforehand it's not true. You know, because there are certain stories that are out there that are very popular and they're just not true, but that's okay. I'll tell them anyway. But I will add a caveat that they're not true. But um, uh, but uh, this this fellow says he knows it. So this guy was driving on the Tel Aviv highway and he sees a car stuck by the side of the road. So he pulls over, secular secular guy with his family. He says, what's the problem? He goes, I ran out of gas. He says, do you have a can? He says, yeah. He says, I'll, I'll go get your gas. Now, you know, on the highway, <laughs> it's not as easy. It, it, this is not the Southern State Parkway where you have exits, you know, every uh, every mile or so. You know, you could drive for a long time till you find an exit. You've got to drive all the way down, turn around, go to the gas station, fill it up, go all the way down, turn around, and come back to the guy and fill it up. So The guy says, how much I owe you? He says, nothing. It's my bits He says, I want to show you something. He says, come with me. And he goes to the back of his car, and he has a bumper sticker that says, stop the harin. So the the guy shrugs. (laughs) (laughs) He says, help me take it off. He takes off the bumper sticker, they exchange numbers, and they're in touch. And he keeps telling them, come with your family for a Shabbos. He doesn't want to come, and he keeps pushing and pushing, but finally he gets them to come for some chaston. So he wasn't in the community when Hamas came in and killed everybody. He wasn't at this guy's house usually. So there are other people who would have just, you know, I, I know it myself. I've I've done nice things for people, and they it does not stop them from saying nasty things, you know, <laughs> against religious people. So what we're davening for is, you know. Everyone should recognize it. It's like what we say in the Torah in Rosh Hashanah Kippur. You know, so uh, Everybody should join together in one group. Because Baruch should open our hearts that we should want to be together. And uh, the irony of the period that was going on in Eretz before this, where where. People were closing down streets and closing down businesses, and people wouldn't talk to each other, and just horrible, horrible fighting that was going on, and uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, protesting outside of uh, you know a hundred-year-old uh, rabbi's house of B'nai day. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's all horrible, horrible stuff, you know. You know the. The what can I tell you? I grew up in America, and you know, in the '60s and '70s, there was more or less a concept of live let live. You know, even in America, they don't have that. Anymore. We're such a divided country; everything is 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 divided and hateful, and we we have nothing in common. Nothing brings us together anymore. And and, and it shows the same thing. So we have an opportunity now for people to come together. And we're always stronger. I remember I was teaching in Baloiska in Parsha, in uh, to the beginners in Orsimech, and uh, and I was doing the Rashi right at the beginning where it talks about the Menorah. It says, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't figure out how to make the Menorah, and finally he just took the gold and threw it in the fire, and it came out. I said, I, I can't figure out what he couldn't figure out. <laughs> you know? I said, There's a place called the Machonah Mikdash in, uh, in the old city. They made a model of the, the menorah. You know, I'm mean? like, <laughs> why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu figure out?" So one of, the, one of the guys, you know, he said to me, Rabbi, you already answered the question. I said, I did? He says, yeah, you said that the menorah represents unity. That's why it has to be made out of one solid piece. And that's why all of the candles point into the middle you know, and everything curves in, and it's supposed to represent Achters. He understood how to make a physical menorah, but he didn't know how to bring the Jewish people together. I said, brilliant. And the answer was, when you throw it in the fire, that's when the menorah comes out. I'm old enough to remember the Six-Day War. I was a kid in elementary school, and Israel had only been around for 19 years. (laughs) Not a very long time. And we were sure that it was going to be destroyed. I mean, the country was nine miles wide. The Golan Heights were considered unconquerable. Egypt had the largest air force in the Middle East. The Jordanian Legion was the most highly trained uh, army in the Middle East. And, uh, and nobody was helping us. We were, we were on our own. You know? And the early reports that came in, Israel was being destroyed. And at that time, there was a level of achdus that I don't ever remember seeing before, where everybody came together. But we're seeing we're seeing a level of that today. I know organizations where all they do is sit all day and make titzes for soldiers. Soldiers are asking for titzes. People have never won titzes in their lives. You know, it's uh, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing. There's yeah, because when you throw us in the fire, that's when you get the menorah. That's when you get that achdus, when people come together, it's unfortunate that it's tragedy that brings us together. I was speaking to a secular businessman in, uh, in Chicago. Yeah, he, he, was, he knew. He knew some stuff, although he didn't keep it. And he says to me, you know what the problem is, Rabbi? He says Most Jews have never heard of Sheva Brahas. But they all know how to say Kaddish. Because the one thing we Jews do well is mourn. I was speaking to a group of uh of people who are here on Hebrew University on a program learning how to be uh afternoon Hebrew school uh teachers. And one of them said, He goes, I could talk about anything. I could talk about the holidays, I could talk about the, the laws, I I don't get the kids' attention. You talk about the Holocaust, everyone sits up. There was a time when the federations were spending more money on Holocaust memorials than on Jewish education. Cuz the one thing we do well is mourn. It's a pity, but when when there's tragedy that's what brings people together. So, you know, Halavai it was for a bad reason, but it hopefully it will come good. In the words of Benjamin Franklin, gentlemen, if we do not hang together then we will surely hang separately.
0: Just, just one, one, one final uh, question and thought. Uh, there, there's a sense that that um, we need a miracle. We need we need a nace to get out of the a miracle to get out of the situation. Uh, are we allowed to pray? Are we allowed to daven for for miracles? What what's allowed in terms of tefillah when you daven for something that's beyond nature? May al hateva. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely you can. Uh, I mean, listen, Halavai, you could do it without that. You know? But when the people come to motion, and say, listen, we're in the middle of the desert. We have no food. There's millions of us. Um, suggestions? <laughs> By the way, there's no water. I don't know if you noticed. There's no water. We've got millions of people here. am I'm open to the ideas over here, but obviously you're going to have to come up with the miraculous solution. I don't think you suddenly have a catering truck that's pulling up that's going to take care of millions of people. So I hope I hope you got something when their back is to the Yamsu. You know? And that is the Misha Anna. You know? Misha Anna Lava Senua Huya Nenu the one who answered Yonah when he was inside of the giant fish. Okay, you're going to need a miracle to get out of this one. You know, Uh, I I hope you got an idea. (laughs) So uh, um, somebody once said a a clever thing that uh, he says, in Israel, we don't rely on miracles. We depend on them. (laughs) And I remember during the Gulf War when, 39 missiles hit and blew up buildings. Only one person died as a result of the missile attacks. You know? It was an amazing thing. And they interviewed this one woman and she said, Would you say that these are miracles? And she'd say, No, things like this happen in Israel all the time. I thought, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what a brilliant <laughs> quote. But yeah, look, when when the doctors say there's no hope, there's no hope. So the people stopped dominating? No, they daven for a miracle. That's exactly what they're davening for. You know that that there should be, a Baruch Hu, should change the Teva. So okay, if you could do that, you know, uh, without that, you, you know, I'll not mention them anymore. But you know the famous Bokazmi routine with with uh, Noah. You know, where he says Noah, you know, those two hippopotamuses, they're both male. He says, Yeah, well, you change one. He says, you know, I don't work that way, Noah. <laughs> so. We don't, we don't, uh, if we can, if we can depend on our ourselves, and that's why the cover that went on top of the mishkan was made out of a waterproof skin to protect it from the rain. But it didn't rain. There was a cloud hovering over it. It didn't rain. So you do what you got to do. When Moshe Beno says, I can't put up the mishkan, no one can put up the mishkan, he goes, you do what you can do. And i'll i'll do the rest but you gotta you gotta you know you gotta try yeah yeah every single day there are miracles we we rely we rely on miracles to get through it's just we take them all for granted uh, but uh yeah absolutely if you are in trouble in for a miracle right that's the the um uh, the, uh, who is it, Megomara? He was being chased by a pack of dogs and he davened and meat fell down from Shemayim, you know, and the dogs ate it and ran away. So he picks up what's left of the meat, and he takes it the base measures to find out if it's kosher. And they say, Yeah, anything that comes from Shemayim, the mun, the ta everything is kosher. He fell from Shemayim. So ask These the guys who share the Rashivas Lobatka. Miracle meats falling from the sky, and your question is can you make it into hamburger? That's your question. Wouldn't you want to preserve this and show it to your children's children and say, look at this miracle, me? It's not, because you understand everything's a miracle. Mm-hmm. The fact that I make it through the day. Those of us who live here in Eretzschel, right, so we're Americans. We don't have the gift. But Israelis, when you ask Israelis, how do you make it? You know, you're not making enough money to pay your bills, and then your children get married and you buy them an apartment. How in the world do you do it? These are flows. <laughs> There's got to be some kind of trick. I haven't learned it. You know, I have, a, I have relatives who moved here. You know, right after the Six Day War, and they said we finally married one of our kids off to an Israeli. But they won't tell us. They won't tell us the secret. <laughs> I now that we're family, they'll let us in. You know. But uh, yeah, of course. You know, when when people are fighting for their lives, right? Pancreatic cancer, death sentence. Well, we keep davening. We are hoping for a miracle. That's. Uh, that's all you can do, you have to, you just keep trying. So yeah, Mirz Hashem. Uh Baruch Hu should give us Nisim and Flos and uh and uh you know I don't know how we win this. I don't I don't know how you do it. How do you track them all down? How do you where do you find them? You know, it's like and the world's screaming at us and screaming and screaming, you know. So uh, uh you know, I know how you eliminate it. But uh to put one foot in front of the other. I have a son-in-law who's, that's his job in Gaza, is, is taking out uh, the, the people who were killed in that, uh, that division. Terrible, terrible thing. And every time he goes in, heart uh, stop I mean, you know, we, we take it for granted that things aren't going to happen, you know. But, uh, you know, when they're dropping all these missiles, so we think, yeah, okay, you know. Iron Dome will not shoot this down, this will take this over here, etc. You're kidding. Talking about Nisim. Apparently, this is what they say, Hezbollah was supposed to join with Hamas and was supposed to attack us from two fronts. And Hezbollah has real missiles, not these joke ones that, that Gaza has, you know, real powerful missiles, they take out the whole country. If the two of them would have attacked us at the same time and then Hamas was going to make an uprising on the on Yehudin Shemrach, you know how frightening that is? And Baruch Hu didn't let that happen. So, uh, yeah, you know, we, we need miracles just to get through the day. I remember during the second intifada, uh, someone in the media came to me, I don't know why, and he says, I feel like we're missing the story. I said, you sure are. You know, you don't understand the, the amazing things that are taking place. There was a car bomb in Goula. an enormous car bomb. And the cops spotted it because the car was parked illegally in Gaula. If a car was parked legally in, in Goula, that would make me suspicious. But it was parked mm-hmm. illegally? There was a, 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 this a baby who was in a crib. A mother came in to get him in the morning and saw a bullet hole above his head in the, in the crib. It fired into the... Into the into the place, you know, there, there were there were so many, you know, with all the attacks that were going on, there were so many amazing things that were taking place, and we missed we missed the needs of the flows, but they were happening on a regular basis, and uh, you know, the more we appreciate them, so definitely we should definitely dive in for them, and we should look for them, and we should give thanks for them. So yeah, I I, I pray for miracles.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, on that note, I think we'll we'll conclude. We can go on and on. But uh, Rabbi Lovsky, thank you so much for your words of, of chizuk and inspiration. And indeed, we should um, see miracles happen speedily, our time, immediately. Man, that's
1: up to you because, you know, I had a share that I was giving that I wanted to stop. And Moshe Shapiro told me I couldn't. And I said, but I have too many things that I have to take care of. He said, okay, get rid of something else. But anyone who can give chizik to Kla Yisrael, the Zman Azeh, is is to do it. That was 10 years ago. And now, boy, do we need physics. So, yes, to you that you do this, and uh, hopefully people will get physic and we'll have that strength. And if we walk away and we dive in a little more and we have a little more bitach and uh, and we have a little more achdis, all the wonderful things that you're promoting, and Metz Hashem, Kla Yisrael will be that much stronger.
0: Thank you so much, Rabbi Lesky. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Pleasure.